0: Is anyone else bothered by the proliferation of Instagram-famous teachers?
1: I don't know. I seriously wonder about how much teaching goes on in some of these teacher-influencer classrooms. As a parent, I would be very upset to know that a teacher is using learning time to create content for their own personal benefit.
0: I know what you mean. I can't look at my Explore page without being
2: attacked with these Insta-teachers. Some have good stuff and cute stuff,
1: but mostly it's all promotions and perfect classrooms. I followed a
3: lot of Insta teachers only to be completely done with them because of how crazy it is.
4: In the beginning, I loved them for their ideas and inspiration, but it stopped being inspirational and just started being nauseating. As a first year teacher who is struggling so hard, I had to unfollow those accounts because they made me feel like I'm not doing enough.
3: What you just heard are some complaints about teachers who post their lives on Instagram. These complaints come from parents and also from other teachers. I found them in a Reddit thread that had thousands of comments. Yeah, so teachers are on Instagram. This shouldn't come as a massive surprise since teachers, get this, they're human beings who live in the freaking world. Remember Rule 35 for influencers? If something exists in the world, then there's an influencer for it. Teachers fit the bill. But teachers as an influencing category really does surprise a lot of people. Glynis actually couldn't believe it when I told her.
4: Today we're going to talk about teacher Instagram. Is that a real thing? Oh, yeah. What is teacher Instagram? It feels problematic to me already. (laughs) And that's why we're bringing it up. It feels like a special where you discover that the person teaching your child has a a separate double life doing something that makes you anxious about what they might be bringing into the classroom. So in the old days, it used to be like, oh, my gosh, like
3: what if my kid's teacher were A a drug dealer?
4: That would be the real special.
3: To better understand the shock and fear of seeing teachers on Instagram, I called the first listener who DM'd me about it. Her name's Jessie. Hey, Jessie,
1: how are you doing? I'm good, how are you?
3: You slid into my DMs like six or seven months ago. Can you just tell the audience why you messaged me?
1: Sure, so my preschooler is getting some special services at school and when we found out who the services would be provided by I googled them because we're new to the school district I was kind of curious to know her credential like I figured I'd find some professional page from the county website and instead discovered pretty quickly because of her distinctive last name that she is an influencer (laughs) Yeah. So what
3: was that discovery like for you to be like, oh, oh, the woman who will be teaching my kid, helping my kid in school is
1: putting parts of their lives out there on the Internet? The part that felt also felt hard is I'm uncool. You know, like during the pandemic, I moved from the city into the suburbs. Um, I do not wear crop tops. I wear lots of soft pants now. And there's a new restaurant that opened in our neighborhood that's very cool. And it she made it to the soft open. Oh, was she wearing a crop top? She sure was. Sure was. With a cool, like, I don't know what you call it, like, duster over it. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I could never pull up off a crop top with a duster these days. I
3: just can't. I'm also, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm also not cool I'm not cool anymore. And I will say that looking at Instagram is just a daily reminder of how not cool. So the reason I wanted to talk to you was just kind of to get out there, like all the feelings that come up when we discover someone's an influencer that we didn't expect to have this life on the internet. And whether or not those feelings are fair, I don't know if they are. And we're going to unpack them. But I do know that maybe... You don't want to see the person who's teaching your kids out partying hard
1: during a pandemic. And then also just the ability to compare ourselves. Exactly right. It felt crazy making and it felt like it was then easy to judge what she was doing. It's Not fair, but it happened. I had a mix of concern that she wasn't professional, which is the part that was, I I think, unfair, but definitely present um, and also kind of curious, like, what's her motivation and why is she like into selling crop tops and Botox on Instagram by night if by day she's helping kids?
3: Okay, I think I might know why, and I don't think that it is as scandalous as Jesse thinks. But we have some more reporting to do. I'm Joe Piazza, and you're under the influence, episode three. Rule 35. So as I said, I've got a theory as to why so many teachers are becoming all different kinds of influencers. And it's pretty simple. Frankly, I'm just going to throw out a little bit of wisdom right here. We don't pay teachers enough in this country. We do not pay them well for the very important job they do teaching our children. If you don't pay someone well, they need a side hustle. Of course, I told Glennis this because I tell Glennis everything. I probably tell Glynis way too much, but she was also completely fascinated by this. So we're bringing her further along on this journey today, you, me, Glennis, to talk through my thoughts. Since I talked to Jessie, since I started digging into this, I found out that there are so many teachers side hustling on Instagram, doing all different kinds of things. Some of them are influencers for other teachers. They're doing lesson plans and look at my... Beautiful classroom, but others are like you know the teacher of Jesse's kid, who are you know selling Botox and crop tops, and and there's other ones that are travel influencers, fertility influencers. But I understand why they do it. They do it because we're not paying teachers nearly enough to one support themselves, and two pay for all of the crap they need for the kids in their
4: classroom. I can't stop thinking about that video that went viral of the teachers in South Dakota. There was, it it showed up and it was at some sort of fair. It was a hockey game. It was a halftime like game.
3: Mm -hmm. And this game, right, was that they were going to dump a ton of cash money onto the ice. And then the teachers would scramble for it. It was money to improve their classrooms.
4: And there's just this video of these three or four teachers on their hands and knees scrambling for these dollar bills like in a rush. It felt to me like if aliens landed on Earth, you could show them this video and it would explain almost everything you need to know about the ways in which America treats the industries which we pretend to value so much and yet the amount of shame attached to this and disrespect it was so grotesque it's disgusting how we treat
3: teachers in this country i did i did some reporting on this just to look up some statistics and teachers make about 20% less than other professionals with similar education and similar experience that is a fact in many parts of this country teachers actually live below The family living wage. And so, of course, teachers are going to try to make some extra cash by shoving it down their shirts at the halftime of a mid-level hockey game.
4: And in so many ways, I mean, we're in this happened in the middle of a pandemic where teachers are bearing the brunt along with mothers. It's the two roles that we fill to care, take children, which is mothers are being punished by having their children at home, which I know, you know, Joe, and teachers are being punished and asked to risk their health by having kids in school. And then you just watch this frenzy over this and you just think, like, how much lower can we force people to go in an effort to not just support themselves, but to support Children.
3: yeah the video is a dystopian nightmare and our educational system has simply failed teachers and like most things in this world instagram is trying to fill in those gaps these teachers that are hustling on instagram are doing it to make up for the fact that we don't pay teachers enough that's why they're doing this uh, absolutely Jessie was real aware that she was being judgy. And I get it. I would be a little bit judgy, too. I'm a total judgy asshole. But it goes to show that people get freaked out when someone they don't expect to see on Instagram is on the Instagram. It's a lot like when I was growing up a thousand years ago and I saw my teacher in the supermarket or worse at like the town pool and they were wearing a bathing suit. And it's all like, oh, my God, you're not supposed to be a human being who has thighs. But I also think it's because there aren't any guidelines about any of this anywhere. Yet, we don't know what to do or what to think. And Glynis brought up a really, really good point. Why do parents need to look at a teacher's Instagram account anyway?
4: I think there is a bit of... Like a church and stateness. Like, does the teacher want the kid's parents following them on Instagram? This feels like... There's no bit, rules. Like, That's the right. thing.
3: So what I want to explore is if your day job is a specific thing, taking care of children or as a hospital
4: worker, like you know, a person that is... What if your gynecologist was an influencer in some other... Or give me something to talk about during my pap smear. That's true. So...
3: Like, what are the boundaries? Like, what day jobs is it okay to be an influencer? And what day jobs is it not? When I started doing the research into teachers on social media, my first question was, like, what are the rules here? What are the school rules? Yeah, the school rules, but then also the legal rules. Like, what are the actual legal boundaries of what teachers are allowed to post? And also, what are their protections? Exactly. Like, will the school protect them? Or are there legal protections that say, no, a school can't fire a teacher for something that they post on Instagram, even if parents feel uncomfortable
4: about it? What are the parameters of how a teacher is allowed to act on Instagram? Exactly. So what, what is the answer to this question? Did you find out?
3: I love it when Glynis asks if I found something out.
4: Because of course
3: I found it out. I can't not find it out. It is like the best and worst parts of me that I have to keep chasing down answers to these questions. What I found out is that it is a real gray area. Like most things about women on the internet, it's confusing. And I got another inkling of this when I talked to an influencer named Karen Jeffries. Karen is a fertility influencer. That is also, rule 35, it exists in the world. It exists on Instagram. There's a whole world of fertility influencers. When Karen was having trouble having a baby, she started an Instagram about it. Her account, which is at hilariously infertile, I'm I'm really into that handle, by the way, completely blew up around 2018. She's got nearly 100,000 followers. She's even written a book about fertility. She is a hardcore fertility influencer who talks about things on her account like uteruses and ovaries and sperm. Now in Karen's other life, she's a fourth grade dual language Spanish and English teacher in a public school outside New York City. When her Instagram account got really popular, she started to get nervous about her job.
0: In my teaching contract, the contract says that a teacher is allowed to be otherwise gainfully employed as long as it is becoming of a teacher. And that line, as long as it is becoming of a teacher, was like kind of, for me, the gray area. Because I was like, I know that what I'm doing isn't wrong, and I know that what I'm doing isn't bad. However, I teach fourth grade, and the content that I'm posting and that I'm talking about is not geared towards children.
3: Karen had a long conversation with her union organizer to try to figure out what the hell it meant to do something that was unbecoming of a teacher. Content not becoming of a teacher is so vague. So vague. I mean, that is like the grayest of gray areas that I've ever seen in a contract.
0: Well, so that was a question. I was like, I know that what I'm doing is wrong, but like I'm talking about gynecological stuff and reproductive stuff. And I'm talking about penises and vaginas. And I'm talking about like when men have to go give their donation and and basically masturbate in the little office that's provided at the facility. Like I'm talking about all that. I'm talking about the porn that's supplied and how it's weird. And it's all so awkward, right? And, I'm t- and that's what I'm talking about. And my um, my the president of my union at the time said, no, like what, what it means is basically like you can't be a stripper that was the analogy that he told me. And I was like, okay, like I'm not being a stripper, but like, I'm also talking about this other stuff too. It was, it was really interesting.
3: After talking to Karen, I was convinced there had to be a much more clear legal line about what constituted unbecoming behavior for a teacher. Unbecoming. Like there has to be some kind of legal explanation of this somewhere in the legal archives place where people make up rules for the world. I also assumed that there had to be some kind of legal protection for teachers about what they were posting on social media. That's part of the constitution, yeah? So I found myself an expert, an expert on teachers and their First Amendment rights, specifically when it involves social media. But first, a quick break. Okay, so when I first found out that teachers were on the Instagram, because they're humans, I assumed there were legal guidelines for what a teacher could and couldn't do on social media. It turns out that's a real funny assumption on my part. I found a really good expert who could walk me through it.
5: My name is Mary Rose Papandrea, and I am the Samuel Ash Distinguished Professor of Constitutional Law at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill.
3: That is such a fancy title. I love it. I asked Professor Papandrea exactly how the hell she fell down this rabbit hole of social media. How did any of us get here, by the way? And she told me that it was like most things in life, by accident. A very happy accident for her.
5: She really likes this rabbit hole. As do we all. I was very intrigued by what was going on in the public school arena and the First Amendment, because the Supreme Court has developed a whole separate jurisprudence that governs the speech rights of public school students and also of government employees, which includes, of course, public school teachers. So in these areas, the court does not follow the usual First Amendment doctrine. And so the focus of my scholarly career has been focusing on these areas where the normal rules of the First Amendment don't apply.
0: I
3: found Professor Papandrea from an article in the North Carolina Law Review. It was titled Social Media, Public School Teachers, and the First Amendment. It sounds very, very serious. And she totally had me at the introduction. It is riveting. And it starts by describing how some school teachers have been punished by their schools for their social media accounts. Here's a bit. Ashley Payne was a 24-year-old public high school English teacher in Georgia when her principal called her into his office to tell her that she could be suspended because of content on her personal Facebook page. The objectionable content? Standard tourist photos of Payne drinking alcohol in European beer gardens and cafes and the fact that she attended, and this right here is my favorite line in the whole article, a trivia contest called... Crazy Bitch Bingo. First off, I want to go to Crazy Bitch Bingo. Yeah, me too.
5: That sounds fun.
3: Sounds so fun. And then there's another example where school officials found out that a Virginia teacher who had created artwork using her body parts and posted that. And another instance where a Nashville teacher was fired after posting what are, quote, racy photos of herself on her MySpace profile. Another teacher was suspended for a month without pay because a fellow teacher posted a picture of her on Facebook with a stripper at a bachelorette party. Like all of the I mean, so this is this is rich territory. Teachers being on social media, posting their their lives. Also, a lot of teachers are in their 20s and 30s and they're, I mean, thank God social media was not like really a thing in my 20s because I would never get a job ever that's right, again.
5: That's right. That's right. Yes. No, I mean, these stories that you're highlighting are what led me to write my article because I just felt like, wow, this cannot be right. And, you know, without going into all the nitty gritty details of this framework, I will say it's not clear that teachers have protection or anything they say on social media that isn't political speech. If parents get outraged, if students get outraged, if administrators think it makes the school look bad, it's not clear, it, and that's not a good place to be uh, for for someone who's in trouble. You don't want to be told, and it's not clear that the First Amendment protects your right to post your vacation photos right. on social media, even when. You're not directing them at your students or at the community at large. You're, you're trying to communicate with your friends. And so that's what happens in most of these cases. Um, these teachers are not sending uh, racy pictures to their students. They're not telling their students about crazy bitch bingo or whatever. <laughs> whatever. You right. know, that's right. not how these cases come about. Um, they come about because somebody has seen it and how they've seen it Who knows? But somehow they have um, have obtained access to the social media account and it it may get forwarded from one person to another. In any event, it gets to the attention of the school and the school calls Ashley or whomever into the office and says, this is making us look bad. So you better take it down or we're going to put you on leave or fire you.
3: I had one listener send me a message and say she found out that her child's teacher was an influencer who posed in bikinis and showed herself getting Botox and had sponsored Botox and things like that. And she was a little appalled by it. It didn't meet her standards of what was okay. And the woman was also doing it to make extra money because teachers are not paid enough, which is a whole other can of worms that we're going to explore.
5: But is what she's doing illegal? Oh, gosh. It's not illegal. It's really distressing because the law does not clearly protect this. But, you know, you're right to highlight it is something that comes up with public school teachers in particular, rather than, say, you know, some other um, town worker or some other employees. We care a lot about our teachers and how they're influencing our children. We hold our teachers to a very high standard. And so if we see that they're posing in bikinis or going to crazy bitch bingo or or doing anything that is less than ideal, we don't like it. You know, one thing, I I, you, I can't remember whether this was in that article or not, but this whole controversy about teachers on social media reminded me historically of when teachers would get fired if they got pregnant and they weren't married, you know, that sort of thing. <sighs> yes,
3: yes, because when you just said ideal, I thought, you know, but held to this, quote ideal of what certain segment of society or society at large expects from pure young women the kind of women that should be guiding our children's minds and education and and yeah teachers used to get fired for getting
5: pregnant right.
3: right outside of marriage right
5: yeah because they're having sex and they're not married exactly exactly
3: Bad. Well, and, and of course, who is to say a bikini photo or Botox is bad? Like, where is the line for what makes a parent uncomfortable? And the fact is, we're all Googling our kids' teachers now, but I haven't Googled my postman or my garbage
5: man. That's right.
0: That's right. That's exactly right.
5: Yeah, it's very, it's very dangerous. I wonder what, when the parents complain about these photos, I I wonder what's going through their minds. I mean, maybe some of them are worried their children are seeing these photos and and then that's going to undermine their you know, their their moral development or something. I don't know.
3: Mhm. I don't know. So it's just something about the Instagram is signaling that the teacher might not be not appropriate. Not appropriate.
5: Not appropriate. Right. Role model. Yes.
3: Yeah, exactly. And so it feels wildly unfair in a lot of ways to judge young women for what they're posting about their social lives and to assume that they're unfit for a profession that I think is incredibly noble and should be paid much more money for what they do to shape the next generation of human beings in this world. And yet that judgment persists. And it's not just judgment because there is power, as you said, for schools to dictate what these teachers can do, that's right? That's right, that's right. Yeah,
5: and, you know, it's interesting. I, I haven't done an empirical study on this, but one thing worth highlighting as well is that it's, it is a lot of times the female teachers who are targeted, um, in, uh, you know, that may just not be surprising at all to anyone listening, but, you know, that women are held to a higher standard, you know, and, that, that, oh, you course. know, using that, uh, the historical example of women getting fired for being pregnant. I mean, no one was firing a guy because he forgetting yeah, for someone pregnant. Yeah. Well,
3: and also, I mean, I think if a male teacher shows shows off pictures of himself at a beer garden in Germany, I feel like parents would be like, Look at him traveling the world <laughs> and yeah. and interacting with different cultures. Whereas with a young woman, there might be some parents that are like, Well, she seems like a drunk slut. <laughs> yes. And I'm taking it to the extreme, but I do feel like it's worth taking to the extreme of how we view what women do versus how we do what men do. Um and it's just so unfair. And we I correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe the majority of public school teachers k through
5: twelve are women, right? Oh, I yes, I'm sure that's true, yeah, the hardest thing for me in my when I was writing that article is to figure out when it would be appropriate to um, punish a teacher for something she did on social media. And um, because I, I think saying carte blanche, you know, people can post whatever they want. Um, but certainly the kinds of things we've been talking about with teachers go nowhere close, like a vacation photos or, um, you know, bikini photos. Those really should not reveal an unfitness to be a teacher.
3: I played back Professor Papandrea's interview for Glynnis.
5: Wow. Yeah. Right?
4: Yeah. That part about firing pregnant teachers, I don't know if that was the case when I was in grammar school. I don't know. Should we look it up and find out? Yeah, although I went to Catholic school and I'm pretty sure, and this may actually still be the case, that you, not only getting pregnant outside of wedlock is grounds for dismissal, but like, living with your boyfriend who's not your husband. But isn't that, like, w- wild? Here is an actual
3: headline from June 28th, 2021. An unmarried Catholic
4: school teacher got pregnant. She was fired. Oh, so I'm remembering correctly, and I don't even need to remember because it's still happening. And I bet their argument is this on religious grounds. But regardless of that, it's crazy to me The way we treat teachers. It's insane. We trust our children's well-being to teachers and then treat them so terribly and offer them zero protections in a world where, as we watch every day, there's so little protection in the public sphere anyway. So you give them no resources, and when they turn to the Internet to try and generate some for their classes, it leaves them vulnerable to... Anything. Anything. Yeah.
3: To public castigation. To losing their yeah. jobs, to losing their entire safety net, to... <sighs>
4: it's amazing any of us leave the house, honestly. Frankly, I do think it's amazing that any of
3: us leave the house anymore. I mean, not that we really leave the house that often, but you know, the fact that any of us can still figure out a way to live in the world. But what's even more amazing to me is that we do leave the house. And when when we leave, we take pictures of everything that we do, post them to the internet, and then let everyone, including strangers and all of your high school ex-boyfriends, look at them. Just get a window into your entire life. I keep thinking about the crazy double standard that women teachers are held to. If a dude teacher posted a picture of himself in a bathing suit, looking looking real good with, with the abs. I don't think anyone would be complaining at all. We would just like hire him to come train our husbands. But I'm getting off course. We're getting away from the real issue here, which is the fact that teachers, mostly women, turn to Instagram because they've got to make extra money because we're not paying them nearly enough for how much they work and how much of their own personal money they are spending on classroom supplies to make our kids' lives enriching and wonderful. So, so far we're talking about teachers who have been lifestyle influencers, fashion influencers, fertility influencers... But there's also a whole genre of Instagram influencers that are teachers influencing other teachers. It's called Teachergram, hashtag Teachergram. Follow it on your Insta if you haven't already. And it exists so that these teachers can make some extra money, but also so they can help out other teachers. And some of these women are making serious bank. More on that after a quick break.
0: And fifth, you may know me from TikTok, Instagram. My
2: classroom, I always repurchase. First are my U-brand pens. I get them at Target, but I think you can buy them elsewhere as
1: well. They write so sweet. So my students are obsessed with the song Havana, so I turned it into a skip counting song. This is how we count by fours. I can count by fours. Four, eight, twelve, sixteen, twenty, twenty.
3: Those are the dulcet tones of Teachergram. This is a place where teachers influence other teachers. It is a way for teachers to have a side hustle in a pretty wholesome way. And if it wasn't for that Reddit thread at the beginning of this episode, I would find it pretty hard to believe that any parents objected to this kind of influencing at all from their kids' teachers. But apparently, some do. Someone hates everything. I reached out and I talked to a lot of teacher gram influencers, and I found one who I think really encapsulates this world, who was really excited to talk to me about why she does this why she wants to influence other teachers.
2: Off of my teaching salary. I could not have paid my rent and my living expenses. Like I didn't even have a car payment. I didn't have debt from college, like literally just my typical living expenses. So for me, the only way I was even able to make that move is because I had that supplemental income.
3: That's Michelle Emerson. She's a second grade teacher and a very good entrepreneur. She's got 173,000 Instagram followers on her account Pocketful of Primary and more than a half a million subscribers on YouTube. She sells various products like attendance trackers for virtual learning, email templates to go to parents, and all other kinds of teaching resources and organization products to make teachers' lives easier. She does it all on social media, and her business is freaking thriving.
2: I will say that... Three years in, I matched my teaching income. And I remember that was like a shock. I didn't think it was possible when I started it. I remember telling my parents that was a goal and they're like, all right, Michelle, good luck. (laughs) But I was able to match my income three years in. And then beyond that, it's just continued to grow, which was interesting because it went from like my side hustle to really my main source of income, which again, took off the pressure of I can work, in whatever district I want, whatever school I want, it's not about the paycheck. It's I want to find the right fit for me. And it takes off a lot of that stress and pressure.
3: What I really wanted to know was how Michelle got here, how she got onto the Teachergram in the first place. And her story was a really familiar one. If you listen to season one, Michelle got on social media because she was trying to navigate a new job. She wanted to figure out how to be a better teacher and she wanted some community
2: as a new teacher, you have your instruction from college, but you get into the classroom and it's a totally different ball game. And I was in a district where we didn't really have a curriculum. I was having to do everything myself. And so I needed as many ideas as I could get. I wanted ideas for classroom management because it's not a topic you receive a lot of instruction on in college. It's kind of like, well, you'll just figure it out in the classroom. And then I got in the classroom, it's like, hold on, I'm struggling in this area in terms of those routines, those procedures, those different incentive systems that you can implement. Oh,
3: that's so interesting because we heard the same thing from mom influencers um, in season one, that so many women were looking, trying to find out how to be moms, right? That they were like, there's no, like I know, I know how to set up my baby shower registry and I know how to paint my nursery, but I don't know how to manage my time or manage my own emotions. And so they were looking for community So do you think that a lot of teachers were looking for community? Because let's be honest, being a teacher is fucking hard.
2: I think community is a huge aspect of it. I know for me, that's something I found a lot of solace in because I didn't connect very well with my team teachers during my first year of teaching. They were a fair amount older than I was, and I just didn't connect with them. And so being able to find these other teachers who were around my age or even older where they had more experience and I could kind of look up to them, but then also these people who were going through the same thing I was, it was their first year of teaching or even student teaching and I felt like for me, that was more like the realistic version. So I could see like, here's the ideal. And then here's also kind of the real side of it that I can better relate to.
3: Right, 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 right. Are those kinds of things taught to you when you're getting a bachelor's?
2: (laughs) Not at all. And for me after my first year of teaching, knowing how much I struggled. And it's because college does not adequately prepare you for what the classroom is like. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're pushed out of the nest. And it's like, figure it out on your own. And that's really hard. And I didn't feel like enough teachers were talking about that, about the struggle that comes along with it. And so my goal kind of became, you know what, if I can make someone else's first year of teaching easier because they better understand the realities of teaching, then it's all worth it.
3: Since then, Michelle has turned her Instagram, her lesson plans and all of the products that she makes for teachers into big business. I mean, I will tell you, she still does not love the term influencer, which is fair. We've talked about that before.
2: When I hear the term influencer, to me, an influencer is just someone who promotes other people's products. And in my opinion, I'm like, I have my own brand. I have my own business and that wasn't what I initially set out for. I mean, I started selling teacher resources because I needed money. I was spending a ton in my classroom.
3: What she's saying here is not that she needed money to live on, even though she needed that. We all got to live. She needed money for teaching supplies for her classroom. And I still, I still can't wrap my head around the fact that teachers have to pay for their own classroom supplies. It's gross. It's just Gross.
2: Yeah, that was one of the biggest shockers going into my first year. I knew I would be spending my own money. I just don't think I realized how much. I want to say my first year of teaching total, I probably spent minimum $5,000 out of my oh own my pocket.
3: God, really?
2: Because you see these pictures of classrooms and it's like, you're not given any of that, at least in most cases. I'm sure there are schools and districts where they do provide a lot. But I walk into an empty classroom, I have to get the bins and containers to be able to organize all of my supplies. I had to purchase a lot of the supplies out of my own pocket. And when I had students coming to school that didn't have certain materials, I'm going to supply that for them.
3: Right, right. And I just, yeah, I don't think that we think about that. And then the fact that we think about the teachers aren't being paid nearly enough that, you know, it it, it can be precarious to think, all right, can I make rent this month? So by having this second business, the second career almost, have you been able to become a lot more financially secure and then comfortable in doing what you do love?
2: Yeah, 100%. I think back to Again, my first year, I was on the struggle bus trying to figure out how do I balance, you know, the, the money coming in versus what I'm spending. Decided to start trying to supplement my income by selling resources here and there.
3: Three years after Michelle started teaching, she moved to a different part of Maryland, a part that was like super expensive.
2: My teaching income went up by like two or $3,000. It wasn't a significant increase, but my rent to the dollar doubled. I was on the eastern shore of Maryland, and when I moved to the western shore closer to, like, D.C., Annapolis, my rent literally doubled.
3: But she could handle it because of her side hustle, because of Instagram and YouTube, and the fact that teachers would pay her for some of her teacher products.
2: And for me, that move, I ended up in a much better school that just fit me, my personality, my teaching style, which allowed my passion for teaching to grow even more
3: because we want our teachers to be happy. (laughs) We we, we need the people that are teaching our children to be able to feel supported. I mean, that just feels like a fundamental human right at this point.
2: Yeah, and... (laughs) I think one of the biggest issues when it comes down to teachers and the income, it's all the work behind the scenes that people don't even see and the number of hours outside of just contract hours that go into those lessons and go into just being a teacher. And so when you're constantly overworked, you're putting in all of this time, all of this energy, and not only does your paycheck not reflect that, but... You kind of have this feeling of like not being appreciated. It's like no one even notices the work that you're doing. And I think that's another way social media in general can kind of highlight those realities and and parents can better understand like all the work that goes into what the teachers are doing.
3: So I'm scrolling through your Instagram. I mean, this is essentially just like a beautiful magazine of what it is to be a teacher. Like this is like real simple, but in Teacher world. Everything is very bright and it's just like very. Is that a cupcake with poop on top? Oh,
2: yes. That was um, amidst the pandemic. One of our coworkers gave everyone a cupcake with literally the icing was like a piece of poop and it was so on brand and like exactly what we were all dealing with at the time.
3: <laughs> I think we should all enjoy a cupcake with poop on it icing. That is poop. Oh, all right. Maybe not. Maybe maybe just a just a cupcake. But the poop cupcake really does sum up our country, doesn't it? We're just living in a poop cupcake. I came into this episode with so many mixed feelings. Like Jesse, I didn't really want to see my kids' teachers, and just to be clear, I have not seen my kids' teachers on Instagram. There is a church and state thing going on in my kids' school. But I don't know how I'd feel if I was watching their private lives on the gram. It feels like a massive invasion of privacy. But then there's also sort of no privacy at all anymore for anyone. It's like our whole world is one big public space. And teachers are people just like anyone who live in that public space. So I don't know what kind of standards a teacher's Instagram should be held to, if any. And I can also see how some parts of Teachergram could be really intimidating for other teachers. How looking at a perfect classroom makes you think, fuck, my classroom doesn't look like this. My classroom's never going to look like this. Because that's how I feel when I look at every other mother's account on Instagram. And I also understand how during this dumpster fire of a pandemic, teachers are completely stretched to their limits, the same way parents have been, and they have to turn to Instagram to find community the same way that I'm turning to other moms. This platform is a monetary side hustle for so many, but for even more people, it's an emotional crutch. What I think is so interesting about this episode is that what we see in the world of influencing continues to just be a microcosm of the massive problems that women are facing in our fucked up country.
4: And, and one of the reasons for that is that there's the potential to make tons of money. There's an absence of rules and then women get into it. And of course, the absence of protection makes them vulnerable in so many more ways than men ever are and vulnerable because they go into it with less financial security and vulnerable for all the ways we know when we're vulnerable online. And then when it breaks us
3: and we have massive mental health problems and depression and anxiety, we have no health care to take care of us. Exactly. And then, and then, you know what happens next? Then women turn to mental health influencers to try to get help.
4: Mm, I I think I might be wearing a jumpsuit from one of those mental health influencers right now. Her name rhymes with Puinis Gultro.
3: (laughs) So guess what what next week's episode is?
4: (laughs) Did I give too much away? If you guess, you can have some free mental health from unlicensed (laughs) hosts. A couple months ago, I asked all of you on
3: my Instagram to tell me a mental health influencer that you follow. Someone you admire, someone that helps you get out of bed in the morning. The responses were insane. I got more than 2,000 comments and DMs. That is a lot of comments and DMs. And I did not expect that. I didn't expect that almost everyone I know follows someone on Instagram to try to make their life just a little bit easier and a little bit better on a daily basis. Mental health on Instagram. It is a topic so huge, so massive, so far reaching that we're devoting the next two episodes to it.
2: If there's a tightrope of 50% good, 50% can do public harm, I feel like mental health. Influencers kind of thread that line and lean towards the harm side. Bombs are desperate for support, and there's not a lot of options for the type of
3: support people really need, and when they find it, they they want more of it.
4: Mothers, we are the hardest on ourselves and the hardest on each other to continue to feed into the myth, because no one's given us permission to say, you know what? This
3: sucks. This is really hard yeah I think my baby's cute and then the rest of the time I feel like I made a huge mistake and I miss my old life see you next week under the influence is hosted and reported by me Joe Piazza our senior producer is Emily Marinoff Glynis McNichol is our editor Abu Zafar is our producer we got additional production help from Aaron Peterson and our associate producer is Lauren Phillip. sound design and mixing from Jackie Huntington our theme was composed by the wonderful Jessica Kronchich. Additional music by Jessica Kronchich and Jackie Huntington. Anna Stumpf is our consulting producer, and we are executive produced by me, Joe, and Nikki Tor. Special thanks to Christina Everett, Julia Weaver, Lindsey Hoffman, Anna Stumpf, and Morgan Lavoie for being the very angry voices of our pissed-off parent Reddit thread.